Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, former Green Beret Zach Garner. How's it going? Good. And you're from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, or you're from there or you live there? I live there. I've been mm. there for about two years. What made you decide to live in Baton Rouge? Are you a big LSU fan? No, um, I live about half a mile from campus, so mm -hmm. I probably, I guess I am by proxy yeah. now. But That's a good campus to party on because all the tailgates are literally adjacent to the stadium, yeah. which is not the case in a lot of places. Right, right. Yeah, and we can walk to tailgating from the mm -hmm. house. Um, but I, uh, my wife had followed me for like the last 10 years mm -hmm. um, with my career. And to duty stations, you mean? Yeah, okay. yeah. And then <clears> so... We just were ready to leave Florida, and so I decided to let her pick the next one. Okay. Yeah. And she, what what was her reason for that? Is she from there or? No, she works for Lululemon. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. I think I did see that. And um, yeah, so she uh, she was <laughs> able to make a lateral move there, and then since got promoted, so good decision. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so tell me about uh, uh, a little bit about your history. Where where did you grow up? Grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana. Midwest left there as soon as I could yeah, 18 yeah. years old yeah, yeah. <laughs> not a lot mm -hmm. to stick around for um joined the military initially regular army as, what year was this this was 2004 and what, what was it is it the same old story you're just like 9-11 so I gotta go do something or what, what was it like it was a way out of Indiana to be honest yeah yeah <clears throat> um you know I remember basic training sitting around and they like you know they have everybody stand up and say your name where you're from and why you joined the army mm -hmm. and everybody's like given that god and country story yeah and you know i i grew up in a military family mm -hmm. so i had some patriotism but really the driving force was i just wanted out of the midwest and you uh you went into the regular army first correct um as an MLS MLRS operator, and then you reclassed uh, to uh, to an FSO, I guess, right? Yeah, or I was Ford Observer yeah. after that, and then <clears throat> went and did selection. Yeah. So, how was uh, what, what unit were you in after you got out of uh, A school the first time? First ID. First ID. Yep. Big red one. So you were in Kansas. No, I was Germany. Oh, that's good. So yeah. I, I mean, because if you went from Indianapolis to Kansas, that's that, not much. That's difference. a lateral move. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> So you were in Germany, and then uh, then what? What happened? Then I reclass. Um, I realized that I didn't really love that job. So what do you even do as an MLR? So it's a multi-launch rocket system. You've seen it. It's it's a truck tank looking thing that has uh, a, a, a launch system that pivots to the side and shoots a bunch of rockets. But yep. what do you do? Um, because so, I assume there's a driver. Is that an 88 mic or is it a specific driver that's for that us. vehicle? Um, okay. So that's usually like an E1 through an mm. E3 will <laughs> we'll drive. And then you'll usually have an E5 that is working the actual gun system. Okay. And then an e, like E6, E7 is a TC. When's the last time we used one of those? I assume it would have been Gulf War One. Yeah, I mean, right, I, deployed, like actual I deployed with them, but we never launched fire. We, we could have we could have used them in Afghanistan, probably not Iraq. It's too yeah. urban populated in Iraq, but yeah. Afghanistan maybe. But the, then you'd have to get those things into the mountains. Yeah, which is not ideal not easy. either. Yeah. And then so then you <clears throat> you know wanted to actually go get in some gunfights, I guess. Yep. So you reclass the FO. Yep. Why why FO and not just go to infantry? 
um, wasn't open at the time. Mm, yeah, it is yeah. like that sometimes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> especially if you've already got rank, it's a problem. Yeah, I was an E five when mm, I switched over, yeah. and yeah, they told me no, you can't. And I said, well, what's the closest thing? And they said calf scout or fo calf scout. Though you might end up in a tank in or some tank, shit. Yeah, exactly. fuck that. You yeah. don't want to do that. Um, <clears throat> and then you did uh, deployment as an fo as well. Yes. So you had two deployments, and then you went to selection. Correct. Um, and what was that like? Selection. Mm-hmm. Um. It was awesome, man. I I don't know. There's something twisted in my personality where I really enjoy hard shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's the satisfaction afterwards. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, when you get to put your feet up and being able to, like, really honestly look at yourself and be like, I earned this today. I think that's just being a dude. Yeah. Right? I mean, it used to be being a dude. Yeah. That, that used to be kind of the stand for being a dude. And if you didn't do that, everybody was like, well... He's he's artistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, all right. Uh, even our fucking producer is a Division One college wrestler. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it, that's that's dude stuff. Yeah, it used to be. Yeah. Now it's just like, what kind of excuse can I come up with, or how can I make myself a fucking victim? Hundred percent. Yeah. Which yeah. is not ideal for the country. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's it's probably good to be honest that we're having a recruiting crisis right now because the people that we would be sending into the military aren't going to win any wars. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, like, like a bunch of they thems are not going to get in gunfights and win wars for us. Yeah, no, I um my peer group now is getting towards the end of their <coughs> career, getting ready to retire E eights and E nines, and they they tell me they're like you got out at the right time because when, when did you get out i got out in 2015 okay yeah but Oof. they said yeah it's just not the same they said a lot of even in the special operations ranks it's it's not guys that are looking to go get in fights mm. it's more for like the instagram clout and that sort of thing and not not the whole but there's definitely more of it than there was that's weird yeah that's that's like people that uh, I don't know go out in a squirrel suit and video themselves. Like, all right, cool, man. <laughs> like, if you do it because you like it, that's good. But if you're doing it to get internet famous, you're risking your life for that. That seems kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but people are fucking dumb dumb. So who knows? Um, well, that's interesting. And then you you were how long were you in uh, in group? Um, so you were in seventh group, right? Seventh group. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, 2010 through 2014 started mm-hmm. getting, met and then, had they moved to Florida by the time you got out? Yeah, I was, <coughs> I moved, I got assigned to seventh group straight out of the Q mm-hmm. course and was early on in the push down mm-hmm. to Florida. So they were still kind of building that compound out when I first got there. Sweet. Um, yeah, that's probably better than being at the flagpole with yeah. everybody, with yeah. with Swick and, and Jayhawk and everybody else around. That sucked. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, but then as soon as you guys moved out, they brought in like Forcecom, like sixty thousand new people. Not mm-hmm. so it's like thirty thousand soldiers plus family or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Fort Bragg is fucked now. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Fort, Fort Liberty. Fort Gaylord or whatever they're calling it now. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I don't know who Alvin Bragg is. I don't give a shit. It's the base is named Fort Bragg to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't care who fucking care. Anyways, we're not going to go, uh, Andy Rooney here. Um, <clears throat> so you asked me before the show started, what we're going to talk about. Um, the purpose of this show and it, the, I, I think the dudes, regular Americans, you know, the, the average person from the 1980s, probably we could say, um, has, 
become disillusioned and cynical and happy to sit out the process at this point because it's this it's it's a black pill just nihilistic about it america is uh fucked i guess for lack of a better phrase but the purpose of this show the reason i call it citizen is because i my premise is you can bitch and moan about your rights and stand around and wait for somebody to secure them for you and you will be a subject under their rule because they'll get to determine the rights right this idea and you, you see this from the left a lot they think that the constitution or the government confers rights on the people instead of just illustrating what they are and limiting yep. the government's power or you can <clears throat> secure your rights personally by performing the responsibilities required of you to do so and that's what make you makes you a citizen that's the de that's the dictionary definition of a citizen a, sure. a person with the rights and responsibilities for being part of a state and that's the that that is the 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 premise of the show and i think everything i every, everything i do <clears throat> with this show and then hopefully in my personal life um, personal and professional life kind of dovetails back to that. That's my North star. Am, yeah. am I, it, it's like on me to make this better. Right. Because otherwise it'll, it'll not only will it never get better if you don't take responsibility, but I think wor worse than that is that somebody else will come in and make it a version of better. That'll be completely antithetical to what society needs. They'll, they'll do it to like what, what uh, the private sector has done now in collusion with the government, which is just extract wealth from the population. That's all mm -hmm. they really do at this point. So that's the premise of the show. I'm sure you've got some thoughts on that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, um, I agree with you a hundred percent that a lot of people want someone else to do it. Where is I kind of look at my personal and professional life. If not me, then who? Right. Yeah. Well, it's like somebody's got to do something. Yeah. Like you're somebody. Yeah. Fucking do something too. Yeah. And if not, then you're just part of the problem. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we we do seem to have become that. That's why I I am so concerned about cynicism because it it it's <clears throat> when you become cynical, you're basically you are I think is a soft victimization of your own plight. And it'll, it gives you an excuse to not participate. Like, well, mm -hmm. it's not going to matter. My vote doesn't count anyways, whatever. It's like, fuck that, man. What, in what world do you think that that's going to produce results? Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. oh, sorry. My, my, I, I just have a, a thyroid problem, so I'm going to be fat and diabetic. That's just the way it is. Like, n no. No, it's <laughs> not the way it is, dude. Dude, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Because... So I've gone through my own struggles, whether it's with mental health, sure. actual health issues, whatever. I've had doctors tell me I'm, I'm not going to run again. At one point, they told me I might not walk right again. Mm. Um, I've had tons of, as, as most people that have experienced the VA health system, <laughs> yeah. um, tons of pharmaceuticals thrown at sure, me yeah. to, to treat stuff. And I think a lot of people, once they get that diagnosis, they're just like, okay, this is my excuse now mm. to, to not do anything. And where I look at it, and I take that as a challenge, like if a doctor says, hey, you're going to have to be on this med for the rest of your life and you're going to have to cope with the side effects of it, I'm like, fucking watch me. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, it, being this, I, ha, I, I think 65% of America is quote unquote in treatment right now. Yeah. That's not the, 
that's not the purpose of treatment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? The, the tre- treatment has an end. You're yeah. not you're not in treatment. End treatment is like <clears throat> being in country or in utero. It's like a state of being that's that's finite. Yeah. Being in treatment where I have to take this blood pressure medicine for the rest of my life. You're not in treatment. Yeah. You know what I mean? You are you are subjugated to this pill now or whatever it is. Yeah. That that just doesn't seem like a great way to live. Mm-hmm. Frankly. Mm-hmm. And it does <clears throat> I wrote a piece for this I don't know if you saw it for Newsweek last week um, about how misunderstood the veteran suicide epidemic really is. And it's not just the veteran epidemic anymore. Uh, we're, we're at a record pace for active duty suicides mm-hmm. in the first uh, two quarters of this year so far. And 30% of those suicides are people that have never deployed before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I, I try to reduce – when I'm looking at big problems like this, I try to reduce them down – to the lowest possible level and remove anything. So if it's not unique to post-service and it's also not unique to uh, uh, people that have actually deployed, then there's something going on other than just the trauma we might experience during the deployment that's causing these suicides. And when I look back into the data, <clears throat> the, <clears throat> the period before between World War I and World War II Right, so 1919 to 19 for us, 1941, and then after World War II, before Korea, suicides were in, in active duty and veteran were three times higher than they were during the actual goddamn war. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> when I see data like that, it, it's it seems pretty clear to me that there's something else going on other than just this trope of, you know, one one of us watching our buddy bleed out in our arms and we just can't shake that memory or shooting some dude in the face. And we just can't shake that memory forever. We can't sleep at night. So our brains are just fucked. It isn't that, that occurs certainly, right? People have breaking points, prolonged, uh, uh, exposure to stress can cause problems with cortisol and and hormones and things like that. Traumatic brain injury can, um, and toxic exposure will fuck up your hormones as well. And that those play a big role. But they're not unique to this, yeah. right? There's a big group. Thirty percent is a lot of a group. Thirty percent of these people have never even deployed. So it's some. There's something else going on there. And for me, <clears throat> excuse me. For me, I think it's nihilism brought on by a lack of purpose. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's why I tell people to get involved. Like you, you can be the author of your own calamity, or you can be the author of your own success. But you will be the fucking author of it. Yeah. One way or another. Yeah. Yeah, purpose, I think, is one of, if not the top things that, one, people lack, and and two, that people need. I know throughout my life, my lows are always associated with a lack of purpose mm-hmm. or, or a lack of identity because I can't fulfill this purpose sure. currently because of some outsiding circum some outside circumstance. Um, but as soon as I redefine that purpose and I get back on track with it, all of a sudden things start to look up. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially for dudes, right? Yeah. I mean, we're like, we're like Australian shepherds without work to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like that dog becomes fucked in the head. Neurot- yeah. Neurotic. You got all this energy pent up and yeah. no way to get it out. <clears throat> and that, that is, <clears throat> you become, neurotic and hopeless at that point it's like when's the when's it going to be my time you know what i mean mm-hmm. that we we define our lives by this stuff we we decide to go 
do hard things or, 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 you know, subjugate ourselves to the greater purpose or whatever it happens to be. And, you know, it isn't just sometimes that we didn't make the effort to find purpose. I don't, this isn't to be accusatory. I just think, um, the ball's in your court to repair it. That that's the message because mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's, I, I think more often than not the cases that, uh, that, I mean, I just speaking from my own personal experience, um, <clears throat> I think most people that were born in like the seventies or eighties, if you ask them what it means to be an American, they would have a very specific answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And I think if you ask somebody born in like the late nineties to, to present, they probably don't have an answer to that. Sure. And I, that matters. You yeah. know what I mean? It matters to I suspect what we're talking about military service. It matters that all the fucked up shit that you had to go through and do had some kind of reason, you know what I mean? And yep. we think like in our minds, it's, <clears throat> I want my community to be better. I'm fighting for my, my country, but it's really, you're fighting for your family, right? You're, mm-hmm. It's it's, and then the country becomes an extension of that. And then you come home, you're like, well, this isn't really a community anymore. And that war I fought didn't fucking do a goddamn thing. Yeah. It had nothing to do with us. Yep. You know what I mean? That's a hard pill to swallow. Sure. To be honest, after like, you, you talked before about enjoying doing the hard thing and then kicking your feet up at the end of the day and having some satisfaction that you've done your job. You know what I mean? But if you kicked your feet up at the end of the day and the lawn wasn't mowed and the kitchen looks like shit, you're still going to feel shitty. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 100%. I, I, it, so this, this, is, this is bad news because there are – are both incompetent and willful forces trying to fuck up this country, I think. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to continue. But the good news is, is you got you have the choice, right, what you're going to do about it. Yeah. Bitch and moan or do something, right? Yeah. So let's. I want to talk about <clears throat> what it was for you. You got out, you said, in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like? Because you had been operating at a pretty high tempo for a while. Sure. And then all of a sudden you come back to reality and it's like, oh, this is, uh, I imagine if you were like any of us, it, America looked foreign to you to some degree. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, the, for lack of a better term, the whole civilian side of, mm. of the house was, was unknown to me since I was 18 years right. old, you know? And so I actually took like a really drastic career change afterwards the first job i had was actually working for lululemon mm. so like I'm, in a store or in like a in the store office? in okay. the mall of america <laughs> oh in <laughs> minneapolis wow yeah and so i moved away from my my team mm. the the military <clears throat> the seventh group family that i had to a place where my best friend lived and that was the only person i knew of there mm. and started working for lululemon and yeah, I realized very quickly that it wasn't for me. Sure. <laughs> Just very different cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I made it about five months. And mm, that's that's longer than I would have made. Yeah. Certainly. <laughs> um, I offended a few people with sure. things I would say and how I would conduct myself and got a few talkings to. And finally, I was just like, you know what? I don't think this is for me anymore. No. So I was kind of caught without a purpose after that and you know lululemon wasn't really a purpose anyways it was just like a paycheck to to keep things afloat until i figured it out um 
But I, I had started to notice some things that really bothered me about that transition out of the Army. And the biggest one was, so I got med boarded out mm. because of a TBI that I sustained in 2013 mm. that I developed epilepsy from. Okay. And I had just gotten assigned over to the the direct action side of mm. seventh group like SIF team yep okay and obviously if you're having seizures that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not a good yeah. combination so <laughs> they told me i could go work a desk job or i could med board mm. and they said if i worked that desk job and i went two years without seizures if we got them under control i could go back to the teams so I tried it for a little bit, and after about six months, we still hadn't figured out what pharmaceutical concoction was going to control my seizures. And every time I had one, that two-year mark would get restarted. Oh, shit. So after about six months, I was just like, I'm ready to figure out what's next mm. because I'm, I'm just sitting stagnant. And so I got out. And we had figured out what medications were going to work. But with that, there were some major side effects. And the biggest one was the drug that works for me was called Keppra. And it caused psychosis in people. Mm. And if you have TBIs, PTSD, anything, mm. anything like that, it's just going to exacerbate that even worse. So it got to the point where I was like, I'm going to kill somebody or I'm going to kill myself. Because it made yeah. me super angry all the time. And... Their answer then was, okay, well, we'll put you on some benzos to calm you down. And then you're like, well, I feel like a zombie all the time. Well, here's some Adderall to pick you up during the day and then take the benzos at nighttime. So you're basically like a 1950s housewife at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just got to add a glass of red wine in the evenings. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, after a couple of months, I was like, this isn't going to fucking work. Mm. And I told the docs, I said, I would rather have seizures than go through this. So I'm not taking them anymore. And I had a non-VA doc consult with me about pharmaceutical cannabis. Mm. And he said, I think this would, we have some strains that mm. would work with your seizures. And I think you would be able to get off all your medications if you did it. So I started doing the research and went down that road and turns out it worked. And I weaned myself off the seizure meds. And once those were gone, I didn't need the other ones anymore. Yeah. And so I realized. And how long did that take? Like before you like started to, seeing results? To wean off or no, before no, I realized? But before you saw results from uh, the cannabis? <clears throat> six weeks. Mm. Yeah. Give or take yeah. six weeks. Um, it, within six weeks, I was off all pharmaceutical meds and just using a CBD tincture that was targeted for epilepsy. And so I realized the VA, one, like, I'm sure they're getting kickbacks from the pharmaceutical companies yeah. and everything, you know. So it's in their best interest to just keep us medicated. And also, sure. the more medicated they keep <laughs> us, the less we're going to bitch about stuff, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So they just want the fast result. But well, they, they just want to check the box. Yeah, and really. not actually yeah. get us better or get us back to a... a livable quality of life so i the other thing that always helped me from an anxiety standpoint or depression or whatever is is physical activity mm -hmm. and i love well, burning cortisol yeah is what it is yeah right? absolutely and by the way <clears throat> uh people in the special operations community burn cortisol on average 80 percent more efficiently than ordinary people really? which might explain how they ended up there in the first place yeah but 
or or maybe you learn that at like physiologically at some point mm-hmm. but it is true uh none of these if, if any of your shit is <clears throat> uh mood or anxiety related or anything like that it will not no matter what you take or what you do it's not going to operate at peak efficiency unless there's physical activity involved that's sure. how your body works yeah makes sense mm-hmm. this episode of citizen is brought to you by black rifle coffee company join the black rifle coffee club and get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door black rifle coffee company is veteran operated and supports america's military law enforcement and first responders get premium coffee delivered every month choose your favorite roast rounds and delivery schedule anytime you like members also get free shipping and access to exclusive partner discounts the best value you're going to get from black rifle coffee is the coffee club as again you can choose the roast whether you're like light dark or medium you can choose the texture you can choose whether you want uh, ground coffee whether you want to grind it yourself and get whole bean or if you use a keurig and you want the coffee rounds and the delivery schedule with a wider uh, array of options for that get 20 percent off your first order with the code citizen so go to blackriflecoffee.com sign up for the coffee club use the code citizen and get 20 percent off your first order this episode of citizen is also brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros right now ghostbed is offering 40 percent off ghostbed bundles where you get a mattress and an adjustable base. For everything else, 30% off if you use the code Drinking Bros at ghostbed.com forward slash Drinking Bros. If you get the uh, 40% off deal, if you use the 40% off bundle deal, you're going to get uh, a mattress and all your stuff, your base, your sheets, your pillows, all this stuff for about 30 to 35 bucks a month. They've got a zero down, 0% financing plan for up to 60 months, six zero months, that's five years. Uh, about the lifespan of the average bed so it works out great for you works out great for uh, the company so go check it out go to ghostbed.com for slash drinker bros whether you're in the market for a bed uh an adjustable base whether you just need sheets or pillows or any of that stuff they got the best the mattress protector the weighted blanket they have everything you need there 30 percent off everything use the code drinking bros at ghostbed.com forward slash drinker bros or if you need that adjustable base as well and the mattress get the bundle and everything else you add onto that deal is 40 percent off so i have always been a big cyclist um and i love being outdoors so i decided you know what i'm gonna ride a bicycle across the country mm-hmm. from first group to seventh group and pass through 10th fifth mm. and third on the way also that's and that's definitely the long way yeah it was, it was kind of zigzagged across <laughs> the u.s because i also had to stop in dallas because yeah. the nonprofit i was raising money for <clears> that's got to be like 4500 miles 5500 right? oh my total. god yeah um so 5500 miles i did speaking engagements at each group mm. i also had some other <laughs> fundraisers along the way where i spoke about non-traditional medication mm. for these things and or or just you know getting outside getting active and keeping yourself busy i think that's another thing that people struggle with is they get out and they just get lazy mm. and so they just sit and then things just build and build in your head and you have no outlet for that yeah. um so yeah i just got out and i started talking about these things and that <laughs> became my new purpose was trying to wake up as many people as i can to not just take what this doctor says and go execute it um but to actually find what works for you sure yeah yeah i mean like diet medicine is very personal there there are some things that work analgesics work to dull pain receptors for pretty much everybody but um as far as treatment for it <clears throat> for serious stuff it's going to be a little bit different for everybody sure. um so how what was the 
what was the time period between when you got out and when you started doing this stuff? Like how long was it? About a year. Oh, so that's pretty quick though. Yeah. I mean, considering, because <clears throat> I, I, when I got out in late 2010, I just kind of, I don't know, I did shit that made sense to me, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, I, I worked in private, I did bodyguard work for a while. Then I did some high, like risk management for Gap and Wells Fargo and people like that. Yep. So, I mean, it was a good job to have paid well, um, but I didn't give a shit about any of it. I went back to that later. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I just couldn't sitting, sitting in rooms, hearing people talk about this and that. And it's like, this is fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't give a shit about protecting some banker from, yeah. from people that he probably ripped off. Like I've worked for assholes <laughs> enough in my life. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yeah. Sometimes at least in my experience with some of the people that, that I've done protection work for, you like you look at him and you're like you kind of deserve to get your ass kicked. Yeah, it's like if he doesn't <laughs> if he doesn't get you, I might on the way out. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, <clears throat> but I couldn't. Whatever whatever superpower people have, where they're able to ignore the the shit bags around them and put on a, a happy face, I, I just don't have that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't have the ability to do that, and I'm <clears throat> I'm a bit mouthy from time to time as well. No. So that was ne- yeah. So that was never going to work for me. Um, I even tried, so I got a master's in Homeland Security, like an international border security specifically. And I even tried to work at immigration for a while and in the intel side, because I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. And it was low impact on my body and I was having issues back then. So it was something interesting to keep my mind occupied. But you know, it's the government. So I build these targeting packages and ICE looks at them like, sweet, great, great work, but we can't prosecute this because, you know, Obama's yeah. in office and he's not going to let us. I'm like, sweet. So what the fuck am I doing here? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it was like a, <clears throat> it was almost like a replay. I remember after the first week that I was in Baghdad, I'm like, this is fucking stupid. We're not doing anything here. Mm-hmm. All we're doing is blowing shit up and then rebuilding it. Yep. And they hate us and they're just going to steal from each other and kill each mm-hmm. other. And then we're going to leave and they're going to blow this whole fucking place up. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? And it felt the same when I went to work for the government again. It's like, man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't do anything here. All I'm doing, like, it, it, it was, there was a purpose part of it that I was missing that pissed me off, I'm sure, to some degree. But it also felt like, it felt like I was robbing taxpayers at this point. Sure. Like, I'm making a hundred grand a year just to fucking do work that doesn't amount to anything. Yeah. It's, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's like, I'm filling out TPS reports and they go into the out processing folder and i never see him again and nothing ever happened they just go into a shredder somewhere this reminds me of when i went through seer school one of the ways that you kept from getting fucked with was there were these little rooms that you'd sweep out and i mean for like 12 hours i would sweep this room out and then i'd walk outside and as i was walking back in i'd act like i tripped and kick a bunch of rocks in there (laughs) just so i would have to go back in and sweep it out and i would do that over and over for 12 hours just so that it looked busy and i feel like that's looking sometimes staying busy is all you really need right yeah um but at some point you do have to find something that really matters to you. I think, I, I, I think a good way to think about it is to try to find where, 
where stuff that you care about, whether it makes you happy or pisses you off, intersects with need, the needs of society in some way or your Absolutely. community, right? So like, I don't like injustice, so I'm gonna go find some justice for people, right? Mm -hmm. or, or whatever the case is. I think that's probably a good way to start, but I don't know, man. I mean, I kind of lucked into it to some degree because <clears throat> my JTAC was, uh, when I was deployed, was Jared Taylor from Black Rifle. Mm -hmm. He and I have been friends since like 2006. So he just hit me up one day when I was working at Homeland Security. He was like, you should just come work for Black Rifle. I'm like, I don't know anything about coffee, dude. He goes, yeah, but you're doing like big data intelligence. That's marketing. You know what I mean? It's the same thing. Sure. I'll show you when you get here. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I just left and, and went to work for them kind of sight unseen. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I think I'm kind of fortunate in that regard. Not everybody's going to have a friend that started a fucking billion dollar company right. that you can go fucking work for for a while and then you know figure out what you're going to do i think it's a lot harder for most people because they've got a wife and kids that they have to provide for mm -hmm. it's like well i don't have the luxury of taking time off right now to figure some shit out i just gotta you just gotta keep moving yeah and then figure it out on the fly it's not easy man yeah i don't i don't know how people do it to be honest sometimes i feel like the wife and kids thing no 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 <laughs> No, that's not the problem. It's just like <laughs> when you have – you, you only have so much bandwidth as a human being. Yeah. Both like mentally and socially. Yeah. There's a limit to that stuff. So if I'm working my ass to the bone, man, just like working, and then I have to have time for my family and shit like that, where's the time left to go improve yourself? It's yeah. A, it's a question to ask. You know what I mean? And yeah, I think, absolutely. I think that's one of the ways – <clears throat> that we've got to get better at helping people uh, that are coming out of these situations. It isn't enough to like, I'm tired of the platitudes. Like oh, I support the troops and blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't mean shit. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to hear that. And I also don't want to hear, I don't want to be coddled. It, people don't need that shit. Yep. Dudes that have been fucking getting in gunfights for the last 10 years, they don't need a pat on the back or a hug. Mm -hmm. They need the next job to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if it was the economy and we was, we moved from, uh, a production economy to an information economy, which we did over the last 40 years. Then you train people to code, train people to do infotech, you train people to edit video, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. We've made absolutely no effort, no, no organized effort as a country to take all the skills that people that operated in, in high stress, high tempo environments did for a very long time to take those skills and, and translate them into something that society needs. Now we've, I, no, no one has even attempted to do that. Yeah. Right. And that it's, it makes me very angry that that's not happened because it seems very obvious that that's what should happen. Sure. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> but what's that look like? You know, I, I think about, remember the boys and girls club of America? Mm -hmm. That seemed like a pretty good idea. Like we had a bunch of what we know now is that, our old our old thinking that poverty was the number one predictor of crime is not true anymore or maybe it never was it's it's fatherless homes are the number one predictor right sure. um so and and then we have these problems in schools not school shootings that's certainly a problem but that you can solve that with with better doors and yeah. better and better training of ordinary people um <clears throat> what you can't do is have a bunch of weirdo blue hair people teaching your kids fucked up shit 
You know what I mean? That's unacceptable. Yep. But we have all these guys out here that want that are leaders that operate well in high stress, but they're also good communicators because I don't think there's any job on earth other than the military that as soon as you walk through the door, they say, learn the job of the guy below you and above you. You have to know everybody's job because you might have to take over that job. Mm -hmm. Being able to be a student and a teacher at the same time is, a, is to me like the hallmark of servant leadership that Robert Greenleaf talks about. It's, it's, that is the, that's the way, right? That's the best way train, yeah. train a trainer, whatever we used to call yep. it. Right. That's how you do it. So, and it's what you did, right? Yeah. Like you found a way to take your experience and translate that into some kind of speaking engagement that was to the benefit of other people. What was that process like for you? You know what I mean? Like how did it, how, how did you take your experience and what was in your head and put it on paper so you could say it to other people? So it wasn't really linear. There were a lot of messy parts that kind of led up to it. And so you know, just to give the the quick cliff notes of it. So, got out of the army because of epilepsy. Rode a bike across the country. That led to a job coaching endurance athletes. Mm -hmm. A lot of my clients were triathletes, so I wasn't a triathlete. I started doing triathlons to understand psychologically what they were going through. In 2016, I got hit by a car during a half Ironman. Said, "Fuck bikes. Time to find a new purpose." <laughs> um, and at that point in my life, I was a little bit lost and I, I think I was just reaching for any sort of purpose. So I went back to my comfort zone and I started contracting. I went mm -hmm. back overseas. Um, I, while I was waiting for my security clearance to come up, I worked as a SWAT instructor for mm -hmm. DOD, which was cool because I do enjoy training yeah, yeah. soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love recognizing that something I said made that light bulb go on yeah. for them. That's, that's gratification. Like I'm, I get grateful when I see that. Mm. And I know that I had a part in that. Um, then started going back overseas, did that for about three more years. And then in 2020, I got diagnosed with a flesh eating bacteria in my leg mm. that went misdiagnosed initially and it spread throughout my entire body and led to about 10 months in the hospital, Jesus close to Christ. 40 surgeries. <clears throat> I had two strokes. I died twice while I was in How did this happen? Um, because I'm fucking <clears throat> stupid sometimes. <laughs> and That's usually it, how it goes. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was during COVID. Mm. And I had recently gotten some tattoo work done like two weeks prior. And then everything shut down in Florida. I was still living in Florida mm. at the time. And outdoor activities were what we could still do. So I went kayaking with a fresh tattoo. Oh, and okay. Dirty water got in there. Yep. Um, yeah, I didn't think that one through. But that turned into the next 10 months in the hospital. And at this point, it wasn't just being in the hospital was bad enough but it also got to the point where i was bedridden you know i don't again i don't sit still very well yeah. i want to feel like i earned laying in that mm -hmm. bed so i would get up and walk around the hospital and i had like open wounds all over my body with wound vacs that i would just like strap them all onto the iv pole and start walking <laughs> the hallways just to keep some sanity mm -hmm. And they eventually had to put an alarm on my bed to where if I got out of bed, even to take a piss, this alarm would go off and they'd come in and yell at me. And so I started to go crazy and I, I finally hit a wall, man, and was like, this isn't the life I want to live. Mm -hmm. 
And <clears throat> so I started actively like hoping to die. Mm. And everything from cheeking my medication so that I could take it all at once and maybe fall asleep at night and not wake up the next day um, to just laying in bed and praying to not wake mm. up the next day. And it, which it sounds crazy, but like that's kind of where I refound God in my mm. life. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it, it eventually one day it just it hit me, and I was like, obviously, there's a purpose because mm-hmm. I can't die. I should have. Yeah. I should have overdosed. I should have died. <laughs> you know, I would. I had two strokes. I flatlined while I was having a seizure in the hospital, um, and. So I was like, there's got to be something and I need that purpose. And so I realized that after I got out of the hospital and I started to get healthy, I had a lot of shame about getting to that place in my life. And you, you mean in the hospital or like mentally? Mentally. Okay. Um, so I had, I had <laughs> gotten out of the hospital around February of 21. I went in in June of 20. Um, February of 21, I got out and... I was starting to get healthy. Things were going in the right direction, but I was still struggling a lot mentally because I would also, I'd been getting IV opiates mm. around the clock for <clears throat> eight to nine months. And then, yeah. so I was addicted to meds too. Mm. Even when I, when I got out, they switched me over to oral, but I was still taking morphine, Dilaudid, Percocet all throughout the day. Um, and there was a lot of shame around that and then the energy that that takes to hide that from everyone else because when my friends would come visit me i didn't want them to see that side of me right so i was just fucking exhausted and i realized okay well i can't die i'm sick of waking up every morning and being let down that i woke up so how do i change this and so i started sharing that what that looks like Mm. i swallowed my pride and it was scary the first time, but the amount of people that reached out afterwards and said, I've been there or I'm there right now. And this gave me hope. Mm. I realized like, fuck, this is, this is why I'm still here is because I don't, I'm, I am able to swallow my pride, not give a fuck if someone changes their opinion <laughs> of me because I got addicted to meds while I was in the hospital having surgery every three or four days and you don't need to be my friend anyway. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. um, so yeah, I, I just started sharing it. And then once I did, and you know, at first I kind of packaged it up in this neat little package and I only shared what I was comfortable sharing with. But then when somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I've been there or multiple people say they've been there, then it's like, Oh shit, we're not alone. Mm. And it clicked. And I was like, this is how, we start to fix this is by fucking talking about it. Yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of where it's been for the last two years now. And every time I, I share something, um, and now luckily it's starting to, the narrative's starting to flip. I don't ever want to be that guy that's telling the same story over and over and over, you know, like dad at the dinner table talking about his high school football glory days. Sure. That's yeah. not who I am. Um, so I don't want the story to stop with, yeah, and I got better. Well, what am I doing now? And right, so yeah. I keep just <clears throat> trying to set new challenges for myself and push my limits 
And some of the shit is stuff that's harder than what I did before any of that happened. And, you know, I try to use that to inspire, if you will, um, but also to just show people like, hey, don't take what one one doctor says or two doctors say or three doctors say and use that as an excuse to not push mm. yourself anymore. Yeah. Test that theory. <clears throat> yeah. I, that's a big problem. Yeah. It's a big problem to settle, I guess. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's it's that that is just cynicism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not going to try anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see an animal think that way. You know right. what I mean? I right. Mean, they just don't. They keep trying, even if it kills them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and the, uh, I guess one of the fundamental rules of life is that the weight doesn't get lighter, you get stronger. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do you get stronger without the challenge? How do you get stronger without your effort? Because, you know, I mean, you can't control what's going to happen to you sometimes very, very frequently. Actually, you can't control external events. I think, um, Epictetus wrote about this quite a bit, uh, in the first century, or I'm sorry, in the, in the, in the, yeah, in the first, well, second century, um, that to, to paraphrase, you can control your effort and your attitude. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Right. Everything else is circumstance who the fuck knows what's going to happen it might rain today and it might not you can't control the weather yeah um but you can you can control your effort and your out and, and your and your attitude you can not get cynical about it and put on a fucking raincoat you know what i mean yep like you plan for the worst and that's i, I don't think we, we talk about shame a lot in our community and i think it gets i think shame gets a bad rap but i don't think it's intrinsically bad you know mm-hmm. it's a motivational tool just like anxiety anxiety is your brain telling you you're not prepared enough for what you're about to do yeah i'm not prepared i haven't thought enough about this conversation i need to have or i'm putting something off that i shouldn't be or i haven't studied for this test enough or whatever it is right that's your or i haven't trained enough for this event that's your brain telling you to get the fuck up and go do something yep. and shame is your brain telling you you're doing the wrong shit what you're doing doesn't match your fucking internal moral code. Otherwise, you would feel good about it. Mm-hmm. So you better correct your behavior. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think it's important to see shit like that. And then you you turn it externally as well. <clears throat> One of the things that's in the, the citizen literature here is that if you can turn your pain and suffering into empathy for other people, then you can save your life and theirs, yeah. right? Because that's how it works. We all kind of you know, uh, uh, we're, it's just a, we're cogs in a big machine, societally speaking. And, uh, nobody's getting out alive and nobody is going to succeed without everybody else. It just doesn't work that way. Right. That's if you believe in God, that's how we're designed. If you believe in something else, that is how natural selection works. It doesn't matter what you believe. It is an iron law. That's how it works. We, and people that have been in extreme situations like us, I think we know in a way that other people can't know that you can, we can't do this alone, right? And that's a it's a hard lesson to teach people sometimes because they get failed by other people a lot. And it's easy to become cynical about that and say, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself from now on. And you'll get some measure of distance down the road that way. And then you'll yeah. never get and you'll never take another step after. You know what I mean? There's yeah. a, there's a ceiling on that for sure, and it's pretty obvious. So that, I think that's the, if you're thinking about it in terms of a race or something like that, 
that's the big hill is finally starting to talk to other people about it yeah you know what i mean because and understanding that you're not the only one or whatever yeah because everybody fails we all are failures and we all learn from those failures or hopefully we learn from those failures and so i know at least with what i've been faced with in life this far what's worked for me and what doesn't but if i let that shame control me and I never share that, then I'm not the only person that's going mm. through that. And, and who are you to keep that that wisdom to yourself? Yeah, if we all share our failures and how we overcame them, then that's, I mean, think of how many people aren't going to have to experience that. Uh, imagine that. Imagine, because we do this a lot because of our own whatever shame, and I think to some degree it's moral cowardice, yeah. frankly. But you, you're sitting here okay because you figured it out but you're too ashamed to tell other people who are struggling. So they just have to struggle. That yeah. is unacceptable. It's just unacceptable to, to behave that way. Agree. Um, hundred percent. Seneca wrote an entire book about this, about being a benefit to other people. Like mm -hmm. what one of the premier thinkers of uh, the Western canon wrote an entire book about how you need to be a value add to other people. And that's, you know, uh, uh it, it's, it's spanned, all of human history <clears throat> last century gandhi rephrased it and said uh if you want to find yourself lose yourself in the service of others but the the mm -hmm. the point of it is that every meaningful thing you do in life will be in the service of other people mm -hmm. right it will never be for yourself and i don't i don't know people i've i, I don't know people who believe like sincerely believe the opposite. There are a lot of me, me, me people out there, but to, I, from what I could tell, they're all fucking miserable. Yeah. Right? Because that's not how we're designed. That's yeah. not, that's not how we're built to function. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a, 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 a screw on the ground. It's like, that's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. You know yep. what I mean? Um, <clears throat> so what's the next step then? Like, how do you develop this farther? I'm sorry, further, further. So, I've been doing throughout 2023 a lot of speaking engagements, everything from graduating college ROTC classes to... Doing speaking engagements for them, you mean? Like yeah. commencement stuff? Yep, exactly. Um, and, you know, passing on kind of my lessons learned from the Army mm -hmm. and how that applies to the, the current situation of the Army. And when I do those, I often consult with some of my peers that are mm -hmm. still in because I got out eight years ago. Right. It's... And so I want to know from their perspective, <laughs> hey, what do these young leaders, what does the Army need? What What do you need as, as the battalion sergeant major, the company sergeant mm -hmm. major? What, what needs fixed? And I try to put that out in – a young, at, at, at an early point in their career in hopes that they take that forward. Mm -hmm. um, but then it's also, you know, I'm planning right now to go off and do the hardest physical challenge that I've done mm -hmm. or attempted to do yet. And I'll finish it. There's, mm -hmm. there's no doubt. There's no other option for me. I'll finish it or I'll die. Mm -hmm. That's how it's going. What be. is it? Um, it's called the Tour Divide. So mm -hmm. it's a mountain bike course that goes from Jasper, Canada, all the way to Antelope Wells, New Mexico, border to border. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> along the Continental Divide, mountain bike the whole way. So it starts in Banff miles. then, right? What's that? It starts in Banff, Banff National yep. Park or whatever the fuck yep. it is up there. 
I think I've heard of this. Dan, that's uh, that's that's something. Yeah, yeah. I um, I've been wanting to do it for about fifteen years. I saw a documentary on it in like two thousand twelve or mm-hmm. something, um, or two thousand ten. I don't remember, but yeah. Ever since then, I was like, I'm gonna do this one day, and. Just like two weeks ago, I was sitting at home and I had just gotten back. I was doing some gravel racing Mm. out in Colorado and Utah and did better than I thought Mm. I would do. Um, This was was the first time I had raced a bicycle since I got hit by a Mm. car. Because for fucking seven years, I just got... the bicycle stopped being therapeutic for me because Mm. I would just be too stressed out the whole time, especially riding on the road. And I still don't like riding on the roads. That's why I was doing gravel racing or I do a lot more mountain biking now. But I realized this was also kind of a test for seeing where my body's at after having 20 surgeries on my left leg, multiple on my left arm, heart surgery. Um, I wanted to see what am I capable of? Mm. I don't even know anymore. And I did better than I thought I would. Mm. And so I was sitting at home two weeks ago and was like, all right, we need a new physical Mm. purpose, a new physical (laughs) challenge. And I was just like, it's time. Let's fucking do this. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm going to take 2024. Everything's going to be centered around training, talking about that. And I've got a nonprofit picked out that, work specifically with the more natural mm. treatments for veterans um non-pharmaceutical you non-pharmaceutical yeah. the you know they're they're starting to <laughs> send people down for the ayahuasca retreats and ibogaine and mm-hmm. 5-meo dmt yeah. um, which i've not done those yet but i really fucking want to well i don't know if i have time today but uh, <laughs> I don't have ayahuasca at my house. I have plenty of DMT, though. Sweet. I smoke DMT regularly. Yeah? Um, yeah, it's good for you. <clears throat> I have a question about that sure. in a second. But, um, but yeah, there it's the same nonprofit that I raised money for when I did my cross-country ride. Who, which nonprofit is it? Task Force Dagger. Is that um, Amber and Marcus Capone's? No, they're Vet Solutions. Oh, that's Vet Solutions. Um, that's right, yeah. But I think we have a partnership with them. I think <clears throat> that's who we're working with to send guys yeah, down. Yeah. Um, don't quote me on that, mm-hmm. um, but I think that's who they're working with for that. Um, but they're very much about the non-pharmaceutical treatments. Sure, yeah. And so I really like the direction that they're going, and they have supported me and my family multiple times over the years, and I just – they're they're great. So I reached out and asked if they'd be interested, and we're still – we're still in the talking phases of it, but one way or another, even if they decide that, hey, this doesn't fit our our brand or, or whatever you want to call it, I'll find somebody to do it for that aligns with my values. Mm. But yeah, like because when I do these things, yeah, it's awesome for me. But again, spending five weeks in the mountains on a mountain bike <laughs> is that's payoff for me. That's the mm. reward. Yeah. yeah. So on the front end, I want to earn that reward, and so I want to raise as much money to send people to get fixed as I can. Sure, yeah, yeah. And that's that's uh, uh, funding is always an issue. Now, yeah. Now, now we're getting into the part where even even some uh, active military commands are. are getting more involved in this stuff because it's very clearly effective. I mean, mm-hmm. Stan- Stanford's been studying it 
since the middle 2000s. Yeah. Uh, MDMA and, and psilocybin and shit like that. Um, you know, it's shocking that nature would provide what we need. Mm-hmm. And we don't need a lab for it, right? I yeah. Mean, I don't know why we think we're going to outsmart nature. Right. Ever, ever. We're, we're the dumbest motherfuckers of all time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that's good. Because we can't always make money off nature. Sure, yeah. that's yeah. What I, I remember the first time I ever went on the news. I was on Tucker Carlson's show uh, and like two years ago. It was like there's a reason that nobody is talking about natural immunity. It's because it's free. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like you're, nobody, nobody's gonna be out here stumping for something they're not making money on, and yeah. that that should that should immediately <clears throat> activate your spider sense. Yeah, if some like we went through this in the late 19th century with a snake oil salesman, we should be pretty familiar about how this all works. As a matter of fact, there's a book by Tim Wu, who the audience loves, uh, called The Attention Merchants. Mm-hmm. If you ever read it, I highly recommend it. They talk about how American politicians in the 20s, 30s, and 40s and the government at large developed its propaganda style and 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 uh, media messaging style from the snake oil salesmen and newspapers in the late 19th century. That's how they figured out how to talk to people, right? Huh. So that's not great. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's 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 good to see that you found like that thing that helps you reset, right? Yeah. And then activate it in a way that benefits other people. I think that's it, it's that's the kind of thing that can get you out of bed in the morning, and sometimes that's the hardest thing you do all day. Yeah. If you're if you're in a, like a deep depression, just getting your fucking ass out of bed in the morning is the most difficult thing you do all yep. day. Um, and Marcus really said, whenever you have trouble getting up in the morning, remind yourself that you've been made by nature for the purpose of working with others, whereas even unthinking animals share sleeping, uh, and it's our own natural purpose that is more fitting and more satisfying. It's like. That is what it is that you do as a human being. No matter what you what your social life is like, what your the trajectory of your life, your education, or 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 your work life, or your eventual retirement, should you be so lucky, it is ultimately about that, about getting up in the morning and helping people, yeah, right, and finding a way to do that. So, and that's the only way you're ever going to feel good. Yeah, like you're going to feel good physically if you eat the right stuff, right, and you're yeah. gonna, and and exercise, and you're going to feel good whatever, however you want to call it, socially or spiritually, if you're working in the service of other people. It's the only way it works. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know why we keep having to rediscover shit that we discovered 2,000 years ago, but <laughs> welcome to America, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so for anybody that wants to get involved in this stuff, uh, uh, the charity stuff, or is there is there any way that the audience can look into what you're doing and get involved in this? So, as I said, um, this is still in the very infancy Mm. stages. Um, But I am working on a landing page where I'll have kind of a synopsis of my story, some information about the nonprofit that will go with that what we raise will benefit. Mm. And then the way I'm planning on doing the fundraising piece is offering a simple one-time donation or people can pledge whether it's per foot of elevation or per foot um sorry per mile mm. of distance or per meter of elevation if we did feet it's over two hundred thousand feet of elevation oh, so shit. that would be hard but it's sixty thousand meters of elevation um so yeah there's going to be a couple options and i hope a couple people will pledge because that's going to be my driving force when things get real shitty because it'll be uh, i'd like to average between 120 to 130 miles a day for it Mm. um 
And when things suck. This, knowing, and that's for five weeks? Yeah. Good God. And so knowing that every mile I ride or every meter I mm. climb up this mountain, somebody else is going to reap the benefits of it is going to be what carries me through to that finish line. Good. So that's kind of the tactic <laughs> that I hope to take with it. Sure. Yeah. So Instagram um, is the best way to keep mm. keep in tune. Um, Zach underscore next underscore door. Zach next door. Um, which is also that's Zach my, with a CH, right? CK. CK, okay. Um, that's also my OnlyFans page. So yeah. if you want to support me personally, you can go there. Um, kidding. Don't look for that. But I should start one. I'm possibly. looking. Yeah. He's got one. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, yeah, I should be. Hopefully, we'll have things fine tuned here in the next two to three weeks and that landing page will be up and then yeah i'm going to be posting everything about my training and then a lot of speaking engagements will hopefully come throughout the next year so that i can really raise awareness around this event and the nonprofit. and yeah sweet we'll keep us posted we'll um, do and uh we'll have you back on before you before or after you actually go do the race that'd be awesome and 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 have this conversation again, see how you're feeling then. You're probably going to be quite a bit more motivated at that point because you're going to be at the tail end of your training yeah. and ready to go out there and fuck shit up. So, yeah. um, <clears throat> look, thanks for coming today, man. I appreciate it. Thanks uh, for having been me. been a good conversation. I, I appreciate what you're doing, uh, especially nutting up and fucking talking about it so people can follow in your footsteps or find their own way or whatever it is. It's, that's, it's the only way we can fucking win. That's know? right. That's right. Um, and thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep. Thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. But I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep. I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around two to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. When you visit Arizona, Time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.